I'm not too worried about it. I've seen a lot of you throw baseballs. There are a lot of Giants fans in here, so I'm not too worried about it. Ooh, yeah, that's my dig back. Hey, good morning, guys. Great to see you. Hey, we just wanted to uh, uh, welcome all of our visitors. If you're here as a guest this morning, we just want to say thank you for being here. And do not leave before we have a gift that we want to give to you. So on your way out, if you'll stop by our starting point, what we call our starting point, it's a little bookcase there on the left. And so you'll see mugs that look like this one. And so this is our gift to you for being uh, here for the first time. So all you have to do is just walk up and say, hey, it's my first time here. And we'll put that mug in your hand just by saying thanks for checking us out. Also, if you are here this morning and you do not have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. All right. There's one more thing I want to, uh, to, wanted to call out before. Um, oh, did we talk about um, the thing that on next Friday, our summer night? Did we talk about that? Did you talk about summer night happening next Friday? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Summer night next Friday. Okay. I'm sorry. I was, I was probably talking to Anna and I wasn't paying attention, but yeah. Yeah. It's Anna's fault. Um, but yeah, so, uh, make sure you put that on your calendar. Okay. Because this is going to be a great event. So we have a lot of things. Oh yeah. You talked about the mechanical bull. Oh yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, but there's one more thing. Okay. So go ahead and take out your phones because this has been a very confusing thing for staff. So it's a, if it's confusing for staff then it's gotta be confusing for everyone else. So over my sabbatical, we switched numbers, right? And so if we could put that up there, uh, Miss Melinda, all the numbers. So we have P news team, pray and decision that we used to text to three zero five zero zero, but now we text to two zero nine six, six, seven, five, four, three, three. So what was communicated is if you are already part of our texting uh, service, your name will automatically be transferred over. And it was, but to the Turlock campus. Okay. So if you have been getting text messages about like grief share and things like that, we support grief share. We actually, uh, it, when people come up to us and, uh, and her look, looking for that kind of a ministry, we actually send them to the Turlock campus because they offer that. We do not offer that as of yet here at, in Patterson, but maybe you received that text message this week to say it's in room 109. And so you're walking around looking for room 109. So what you need to do is the next time you get one of those text messages just from New Life, you need to push stop. That will stop you from getting the Turlock messages. What you need to do is take your, is take your phones and take that number and text P News. No dashes, nothing, just P News. And your phone will try to autocorrect it. So force it to actually send the text P-N-E-W-S, P-News, to this number, 209-667-5433, and then you'll get an automatic response immediately. Thank you for uh, opting in to New Life Patterson updates, okay? I, I know it's kind of confusing, but uh, the three of us were sitting down uh, for a few minutes in the office trying to figure this thing out, and Pastor Brett, and, and they, none of them realized what was going on, uh, but we got it figured out, and I said, I'm just going to talk about this for a little bit on Sunday morning so that there's no confusion, okay? So uh, that's important that you are part of that texting service because we send things like our men's and women's Bible study that's going to be launching in September, uh, students and kids and things like that, anything special that we have like um, our summer night event, we'll actually send text messages reminding people of the time and things like that. So if you're not part of that texting message uh, service, you may not get that, okay? So uh, if you get anything that just says from New Life, press stop and then put P News, that'll uh, click you over from Turlock Campus to Patterson Campus, okay? Not that we don't 
want news from Turlock campus, but like I said, it was confusing this week to get that from grief share. And then I, I just said, I know what's going to happen. People are going to be looking for room 109 in our campus and there is no 109. Okay. So anyway, okay. Uh, does that clear things up? Does that kind of help uh, anybody that may be confused? Cause I was confused as your leader. All right. And I know that Anna was super confused. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> The lady on our staff was the only one not confused. The men, we have no idea what was going on. Okay. Hey, Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. If you have your physical Bibles with you this morning, if not, you can pull that up either on the Bible app or maybe you have it on iPad or whatever. But we are going to be in the book of Joshua chapter 10. Over the last several weeks, we've examined some of the greatest miracles in history. We've talked about a lot of these and how they can apply to our lives today. Over the summer, we heard different communicators, we heard different voices, uh, different perspectives of the amazing ways that God still performs and displays his awesome power into the lives of humanity. Of all the miracles, however, whether it's creation or the parting of the sea, healing sick people, raising the dead, I believe that we can all agree that none will compare to the miracle of an all-powerful all-knowing, all-loving creator, lowering himself to be born as a baby to rescue humanity from eternal separation from him. As awesome as all of the other miracles are, the greatest miracle that will ever take place in your life is when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And when you decide to follow him for the rest of this one life that we get on earth, because that's all we got. No reincarnation, no do-overs. We get one life to live for God. So as we wrap up this summer series today, I want to talk about the, uh, this miracle that takes uh, place in the life of Joshua that's rarely ever talked about. Some of you may be here this morning and have never even heard of this miracle. You may not even uh, know that this miracle is in the scriptures, but it's a really cool story if you've never read it before. Now, if you were to ask me, Jeremy, who's your top five favorite biblical characters. Joshua is on that list. I love this dude. Joshua was a leader of leaders. He had moments of fear and bravery, of failures and successes, of doubts and faith, trust and then lack of trust. Basically everything that you and I still go through today. But Joshua loved the Lord. He loved God so deeply and the Lord certainly loved him as well. So if you're new to the faith, let me explain a little bit about who Joshua is, okay? Joshua was Moses' right-hand man, and he took over as leader of the Israelites after the death of Moses. So let me catch you up with where we're going to be reading from today. Those of you that grew up in church, you know the story of Moses. Moses uh, was called by God to go into Egypt and to rescue the nation of Israel from captivity. They had been in captivity for over 400 years. So Moses goes into Egypt, rescues the people from captivity, and they cross the Red Sea. Those of you that know the story about Moses parting the Red Sea. And then they wandered through what they called the wilderness or the desert for 40 years, right beside, a lot of times, beside the Jordan River. They needed to cross the Jordan River into the promised land, but because Moses, a couple of times on this journey, disobeyed God and didn't do what he was supposed to do the right way, God said, you're not the guy that's going to take my people into the promised land. I'm actually going to give this responsibility to Joshua now. So Moses dies. 
Joshua's the new leader. And then Joshua crosses the Jordan River with over a million people of God's people. And now they're in the promised land. Here's the problem. The promised land is already occupied by several other kings, several other cities, several other um, uh, um, nations, if you will, in, this, in, in, this, in this, this, uh, this promised land called Israel. And so God gives Joshua this directive. When you get, when you cross the Jordan, when you get into the promised land, you got to wipe everybody out. These are people who are believing in false gods. They have bad blood in them. So in order to kind of purify the land, you need to go in and wipe everybody out. Now that's kind of a, you know, in 2022, we have a problem with that. That's a whole other story. We can get into that sometime, maybe in a Bible study or something. But Moses, or but Joshua goes over it. Well, now the kings of the Amorite kings know that Joshua and the Israelites are in town and they're scared because the reputation of Joshua and the Israelites preceded them. They were supported by God. Okay, I was gonna say these guys were bad to the bone. Okay, but maybe that's not a good thing. They, the Joshua and the Israelites, the reputation that preceded them for being powerful and having the, backing of Jehovah God on their side. So instead of fighting each other, these kings got together and they said, okay, what if we join forces? Maybe then we could defeat Joshua and the Israelites. So they all gathered together except for one city, Gibeon. Gibeon was scared to death. They're like, there's no way we're going into battle with Joshua and the Israelites because we're going to be wiped out. We're going to get slaughtered. Let's trick Joshua into thinking that we're his allies and that we're friends with Joshua. And that's what they did. They tricked him. They go up, they make friends with him, they make this peace treaty in front of the Lord. And now it's Joshua and the Israelites and the Gibeonites against all these other tribes, all these other uh, cities who ganged together to defeat them. Well, now these five kings, they heard what the Gibeonites did, and now they're, they're mad at, at, at Gibeon. They're like, okay, you guys wouldn't join us to defeat Joshua and the Israelites, so now we're coming to get you. Gibeon hears of this, they're scared. They call Joshua and they say, hey, listen, don't leave us hanging. We just made this peace treaty with you, even though we were kind of crooked about it. Joshua, still you were tricked, but come support us. Come back us up. Do not let it leave us hanging against these five Amorite kings. So Joshua, knowing that he made this agreement with them, knowing that he made this treaty with them in the presence of the Lord, decided I need to do the right thing. I need to go and support the Gibeonites. So I, that's kind of a backstory of where we're going to go today. And so I wanted to catch you up a little bit historically of where we're going. So that picks us up in Joshua chapter 10, verses 8 through 9. And then we're going to skip down and read verses 12 through 14. Let's see what happens. This is God talking to Joshua when he hears, when, when they're on their way to Gibeon to fight the Amorites. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. So Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. On the day the Lord gave the, Israelite victory, the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel saying this, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Now I want to focus on that phrase that we just read in verse 14 that says such 
a prayer. And I want this question to be on our minds for the rest of this morning. That's this. When's the last time you've prayed such a prayer? And I mean a prayer that for you and your situation felt like you needed a sun standstill answer, that you were in your own sun standstill moment and you needed God to intervene in a miraculous way. Now, not literally, of course, as far as the sun standing still, but for the situation that you, that you were in or maybe are currently in, it would certainly feel like it. A time in your life when you were so desperate for God to move in your life that you were willing to ask for the unthinkable, the unimaginable, a miracle of cosmic belief. Does God still answer prayers like that? I mean, I know he's certainly able to, but for some reason, we don't believe like that anymore. I think a lot of times we forget how great and powerful God is, especially here in America. We take his majesty and his awesomeness for granted because we have access to connecting with him anywhere and anytime we want without fear of persecution. Because right now, as I'm speaking, as I'm teaching, there are tribes in Africa, there are families of the underground church in China who secretly pass one single page of the Bible from home to home, and they will spend days reading that same page over and over and over again, either by candlelight or flashlight, because of fears of being caught, imprisoned, and maybe even put to death. But for us in America, our Bibles have dust on them. I'm too busy to pray too tired, too busy to attend weekend services. My neighbors aren't my business. My coworkers' issues are their issues and not mine. We take for granted that we have the ability to share the greatest news of all time, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We take for granted that we have the freedom to grow in our faith and we don't even realize it. It's kind of like nature. Uh, when, when we're around it all the time, we have the tendency to not even see it anymore, even when it's right in front of us. I remember back in 2005 when we first moved to Colorado and where we lived was a little town called Strasburg, Colorado. So it's about 30 minutes east of Denver, elevation about 5,200 feet. So right at a mile. And I remember getting in the car with the lead pastor and we were going to go into Denver. But in order to do that, you had to climb another 200 feet, just 200 feet. So from 5,200 feet to 5,400 feet, but it was a stretch of about three miles. So it took three miles to climb this extra 200 feet, but it was just enough that where we were, we couldn't see the Rocky Mountains because of that little extra 200 feet. So we got in the car and we began down 70 and uh, we're climbing this three mile stretch. And he said, uh, uh, you know, this is probably, you know, your first time to Denver or whatever. We we're just in conversation. And when we crest the top of that hill and then boom, there was the Rocky Mountains. Absolutely stunning. It looked like a portrait. And I even said, it doesn't even look real. It looks fake. The, 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 the mountains were still snow-capped uh, snow because it was early June. And I said, that is absolutely gorgeous. And he stopped and said, oh, the mountains. And I said, you don't even see them anymore. You make this drive so often that you don't even see that anymore? And he said, no, I don't. He said, thank you, Jeremy. He said, you've given me fresh eyes to see God's creation. But we see that everywhere. People that live near the beach rarely go. People that live near the lakes, but they haven't been in years. People that have a house maybe on the coast or a cabin somewhere, they forget to watch the sunsets and the sunrises. People that live near the Patterson canals, but you never go, just watch the water flow. Yeah. 
I know that's not as exciting, but it's there, yeah. But don't miss the point I'm trying to make. When we become a follower of Jesus and we live a life that honors him, we have access and connection to the creator of the universe, which means that we have the freedom to pray our own sun standstill prayers. Ephesians 2.18 says this, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. But with that said, listen, this prayer from Joshua wasn't for Joshua. I mean, Joshua and the Israelites benefited from it, of course, or he wouldn't have prayed it, but the kingdom of God was what was advanced that day, not the story of Joshua. It wasn't Joshua who made the sun and moon remain in place. It was God. He's the one who holds all of creation in his hand. And in this moment in history, in the story, he proves that he can still control it. And like all the other miracles that we read about, that we read about this summer, God decided to use the heart and the faith and the boldness and the availability of humanity. And in this case, Joshua, to pray this unbelievable prayer and to perform this miracle. Now, I know there's a lot of skeptics out there, a lot of analytics. I have a little bit of that in me, too. When you read scripture like this and you're like, eh, come on, Jeremy, this is a little bit of a stretch for me. I mean, this is a cosmic level miracle to believe that the earth possibly stood still on its axis. And I'm not too sure about this one, Jeremy. Maybe this is more allegorical than it is historical or literal. Well, this is what I do know. I do know that there's other documented evidence from around the world that potentially supports that it did indeed happen. It's interesting that many cultures around the world speak of an extended day or an extended night, depending on where they were globally in their own legends. In Greek mythology, Apollo's son disrupted the movement of the sun for the day. Cultures on the other side of the world have legends of an extended night. The Maori people of New Zealand, which is total opposite of where Israel is, have a legend of how their hero, Ma'i, impeded the sun before it rose. In the ancient history of Mexico, night continued for an extended period of time. In the records of the ancient Chinese, King Yao testified that at one point during his reign, the sun remained in the sky so long that people feared the world was burning up and was going to be set on fire. The reign of Yahweh is said to correspond with the exact same time as Joshua. So not only do we have the Bible as evidence, but we have other writings to support that as well. So when you read through this story, what are some lessons that we can gain from this? Aside from just the miracle of the sun setting still and the moon remaining in place, what are some other miracles? Well, let's go back to the beginning of the story when Joshua made this commitment with the Gibeonites. Okay, so write this down for number one if you're taking notes. God wants me to honor my commitment to him. God wants me to honor my commitment to him. As much as it pained Joshua to do so, he honored his treaty and commitment with the people of Gibeon. He took it seriously because his, he knew that his promise wasn't just to the, to, to the Gibeonites. His promise was to the Lord. And if he were obedient to what the Lord commanded him to do in the first place, he wouldn't have been in this predicament, but because he allowed himself to be tricked, he's now in the position to honor his promise. And that's what he did. And God requires the same from us. When we make a commitment to serve God, when we make that miracle decision to begin following Jesus, we're making a commitment and a promise to pattern our lives after the life 
of Jesus to the best of our ability. A commitment to a life that honors God. A commitment to a life of surrender and obedience and humility. A commitment to do the things that Jesus commands us to do. There are nearly 30 verses in Scripture that talk about caring for the orphans and widows. Jesus commands us to love our neighbors, to build community with one another, and to take care of each other's needs, to share in one another's burdens, not to walk around and carry our worry and our burdens on our own, but to share those with others in community. It's frustrating that the word commitment isn't taken as seriously as it was a few decades ago. Because this pushes back against a lot of what culture is trying to push on on society today. Because culture tells us that happiness is the most important thing that you can ever achieve. That if you're not happy, you're not obligated to honor your commitment. And that's simply not true. All of us have obligations and commitments. If you're married, you have a commitment and obligation to your spouse. If you have children, you're obligated to your children. We're obligated to our jobs and our health in our communities. There's lots of scripture to support all of those. And Jesus reminds us that we also have obligations and commitments to the things of God. Look what King Solomon said when he was dedicating the temple that was built under his leadership. And this was a temple that had been talked about for decades, even going back to his father, King David. But look what he says in 1 Kings 8, 61. And may you be completely faithful to the Lord our God. May you always obey his decrees and commands just as you are doing today. Be completely faithful to the Lord our God. And listen to the Apostle Paul's charge about remaining faithful and honoring our commitment to God. Galatians 6, 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That's a big if. If we don't give up. God wants me to honor my commitments to him He wants me to honor my commitments to others. And the second thing we can learn from this story is this. Write this down for number two. Remembering God's power changes my prayer. Remembering God's power changes my prayer. Ephesians 3.12 says this. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. This prayer from Joshua was huge. No one had ever prayed anything like this before. Asking the sun to stand still? (laughs) Asking the moon to hang in its position? We don't know what the time of the day was when he prayed this prayer. It could have been in the morning, maybe in the afternoon. Maybe it was getting late in the afternoon and Joshua felt as if he was running out of time. It doesn't matter. This is a crazy prayer. And God answered it. The writer of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 4.16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy, his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So with that first question I asked earlier, let me ask you, when was your last really bold prayer? Your sun stands still moment. Again, maybe the earth didn't stand still on its axis. Maybe the moon didn't stay in position. But for your situation that you were in, If you saw a miracle, man, it sure felt like it. And it was the same thing. Maybe you're here this morning and you still need to pray your sun stand still moment. I know I prayed those sun stand still prayers many times in my life. My latest, of course, was when my daughter Ella was hit back in January of 2021. Those of you who are new, 
here over the last six months. My daughter was, was struck by a vehicle in January of 2021, and she had to be life-flighted um, life down to, to Children's Hospital in Fresno. But I never will forget getting that call. And Janet and I were just cooking dinner, and we get the call. It was around 5.30 in the evening. The, the sun was already down because it's January winter, winter time. So we got that call, and her friend said, uh, Jeremy Ella's been hit. And I said, where are you at? Right in front of the fire station. So it was only about a quarter mile from our house, and so we jumped in the car, ran down there. And the first thing I see is this vehicle, this damaged vehicle, not being able to see my daughter yet. Windshields busted up, damaged to the front end, and I, now I'm thinking the worst. So we come around the corner and I see my daughter laying on her back on the sidewalk covered in blood and she's screaming, I can't see, I can't see because she had uh, ocular uh, damage to the back of her head. She had a, a fractured skull uh, from where, when her head hit the windshield, broken leg. And immediately I went into prayer. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, God, you, you brought me from Tennessee to take my daughter? No, 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 that's not happening. In the name of Jesus, I speak breath in those lungs, healing into that body. We thought she never lost consciousness, but actually this week, where are you at, Matthew? Raise your hand. Matthew was actually the one on the, on the scene. I love that kid. I'll love you till the day I die, buddy. He was right there uh, with Ella the whole time, and he saw her flying in the air and saw her land, and when he caught up and when he walked up to her, we just found this out this week that she wasn't even conscious. And so Matthew stayed there, and she opened her eyes and started to come to. But prayers went in, not just from us, but all around the country. We were calling family. We were calling friends, people from Colorado and Wisconsin and Florida and Kentucky and Tennessee, North Carolina, people from all over that we have this network of, of pastoral friends and connections with were praying over my daughter. And in just three and a half days, she went from being life-flighted down the Fresno to being released from ICU to go home because God did a miracle in my life. On that cold January night, I saw God move. Did the sun stand still? Nope. Did the moon hang in the place? Nope. But I know for a fact that my prayer, along with the prayers of hundreds of people all over the, all over the country, reached the heart of God. And he spared my little girl. You see, God didn't answer my prayer for me. He didn't answer my prayer for Ella. We benefited from it. But he answered that prayer for the kingdom's sake so that he can be glorified for it. So that 18 months later, I'm standing here in front of you. More than 18 months later, I'm able to stand in front of you and proclaim the goodness and the majesty and the healing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that he still performs miracles today. Remember, your life is not about you. Your life is about what you can do to serve the kingdom. So write this down for number three. This leaves us to our last villain for the weekend. God is honored by my obedience. God is honored by my obedience. In our story, Joshua prays a desperate prayer, a desperate prayer, and God answers his prayer. And the Israelites win the battle. You see, God still wins. You've probably seen this if you grew up in church. You know, people, preachers hold up the Bible. I've, I've read the, all the way to the end of the book, and God wins. You know, it's so true. 
It's so true. Go to the last page. You see that God wins. He always wins. <laughs> I know that's funny, especially if you grew up in church. You probably heard it so many times. Romans 8, 28. My favorite, my all-time favorite verse in all of Scripture, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So what exactly happened in Joshua 10? Did the earth stand still? Did the solar system stand still? Did God refract the light and bend the light of the sun to create a longer day? I don't know how he did it. But what I'm sure of is that a great miracle occurred. If you don't like daylight savings time, maybe blame Joshua. <laughs> I don't know if that's when it started. Here's what I'm encouraged about in this text, that God will not let anything anything hinder him from accomplishing his purposes. Not even the laws of science can stop our God from doing what he wants to do. If he wants to stop the universe to accomplish his purposes, he can do it. It's his planet. It's his universe, right? God isn't subject to the laws of science. He's over the laws of science. Time, matter, and space, the three elements, God created those. Some would like to explain away the miracles of the Bible by science and reason, and I think we have to be careful if we try to do that because then they're no longer miracles. A miracle is a divine act that can't be explained by science. And I think the lesson that we can learn from this story is that we serve a God who can transform your most adverse situations into opportunities to display His glory. And like the people of Israel, you may be facing your own seemingly impossible situation. And even as I'm talking about it right now, you're thinking about what that is. For some of you, it's financial. For some of you, it's medical. For some of you, it's relational. For some of you, it's your career, it's your future, it's your past. It's an unresolved conflict, a major decision that you have to make. And you need your own sun standstill moment. Let me encourage you to be bold. Pray your prayer. Will the sun actually stand still? Probably not. But the miracle that you experience in your situation will certainly make it feel that way for you. I'm confident that God can work a miracle in your life and that he can transform whatever you're facing into something that will reflect his glory. But remember, it may not look the way that you think it should. It may look completely different. The resolution may not be yours. It may appear completely different than the way that you think it should be. Because you may be here this morning and thinking, Jeremy, I've prayed my son stand still prayer and nothing happened. My loved one still died. My loved one is still sick. The bank is still taking my home. My kid is still fighting that addiction. The answer may look different than what you think it should. I remember back years ago, before I ever got into ministry, I was in my 20s and a good friend of mine who was like my father, he was my father's age, he was a pastor. And he was diagnosed with brain cancer. And 
when they finally admitted him to the hospital, he lost so much weight and was so sick. They finally admitted him to the hospital. And I remember going and seeing him quite often. And every time I would walk in there, he would say, I'd say, hey, how you doing? Doing great. He'd hold his fist up. Doing great. I'm getting my miracle today. Doing great. I'm getting my miracle today. And I would believe with him and we would pray together. And I just knew that one of these days I'm going to walk in there and he's going to look normal. And, and after just dwindling down to nothing, I remember walking in there one day, the last time I saw him. And I walked in there and he was laying in bed. Just grin. He had a big smile on his face, just grinning from ear to ear. He had his eyes closed and he had a little tear going down the side of his face. And I walked up to him and I touched his hand. I said, hey, bud, how you doing today? And he said, hey, Jeremy, I get my miracle today. But it looks different than what I thought. And then later that day he passed. And I know, I know today he is in the arms of Jesus, man. He is up in heaven. And, and if you were to ask him today, he would say, no, I, that's the day I got my miracle. That's the day, the, day, the day that God healed me. God is inviting all of us to pray our own sun standstill prayers and moments. But what we have to do is remember that God is in control. That God is still the one who calls the shots. He created the universe and then placed the universe to exactly where he wanted it. Remember, it's not in our power to perform the miracle. Our job is to boldly pray and to come into the presence of the one who can to recognize that he is the one who made the sun stand still that day, that he is the one who came to earth from his throne in heaven to save us from our sin, that he is the one who holds all of nature in his hand, and that he is the one who receives the glory and the honor for it. I was processing through this message with Pastor Tito this week, kind of letting him know what direction I was going, and he's like, he's like, Jeremy, that was my prayer when I used to go and see my daughter, Brianna. He said, I would pray for God to extend the hours of the day so I could get in everything that I could that day with my daughter. And he said, it was almost as if God answered that prayer because I was always able, every time I prayed that prayer, I was always able to get in everything that I wanted to do with Brianna that day as if God extended the hours of the day. And then he would give God the glory for it because you see, God wins. God always wins. All throughout scripture and even today, miracle after miracle, God intervenes in the lives of humanity because he loves us. And as we said earlier, the greatest miracle of all, the greatest time in history where God intervened was when he sent his son Jesus to die for you and to die for me. So maybe your son, st your, your son stands still prayer is inviting Jesus into your life today. Maybe you've never done that. And this, on this day, August the 14th, 2022, you can look back and say, that was my son standstill moment when I invited Jesus into my life. So what's your prayer? Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this series that we have been able to dive into throughout the summer to know that you are a miracle-working God. 
Father, I, I believe there are some in here this room, in, the, in this room this morning who have never called you Lord and Savior. They've never invited you to be God over their life. And I want to do that today. You just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. I want everyone, even if you are already a follower of Jesus, to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Beginning today, I make you my Lord and Savior. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died for my sin. And I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, I pray over everyone in here, Lord, everyone that made that decision, everyone that prayed that prayer, Father, I thank you because Scripture says that even the angels in heaven are rejoicing because some made that decision today. Father, let us be bold in our prayers. Whatever we're going through, Lord, all of us are going through at least something in our life that you can intervene and perform a miracle. And Father, on this day, we surrender ourselves to you. Our heart, soul, mind, body, and spirit, we lay it at, we lay it at your feet as a sacrifice of praise. We pray that you be glorified in our life. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here this morning. Hey, if you made that decision this morning, can you do me a favor? I want you to text that word decision to that number. That way we'll know that you made the, that decision today to become a follower of Jesus. We want to help you on that journey. We want to help you get started on that journey of following Jesus. We've got some resources that we want to put in your hand and also have a conversation with you if you're comfortable. Also, if you made that decision this morning, then the next right decision for you is to be water baptized. And we're going to be doing that next Sunday. And so it's not too late. You can, sign, you, you can give your heart to Jesus and jump in, the, jump in the tub at the same time. It doesn't matter. We, we want to baptize you. We want to encourage you to keep following Jesus to the best of your ability. Hey, don't forget all the announcements that we made earlier. Uh, and so if you want to uh, continue following uh, us, follow us on our social media platforms. We, already, we, we always have uh, different announcements on there that we want to keep you aware of. And also, if you're new here, then please do not leave until you stop by our starting point area out there in the lobby, get to know some of our staff and also get that free gift that we have for you. Okay. We love you guys. Uh, we're the, if you're here for baptisms, we're going to meet right over here uh, in the next 10 or 15 minutes, but we just want to say, we love you guys. We know God's got some amazing things in store for this campus and for you. So have a great week. We'll see you back here next Sunday.